So, you know, you got to fit all these things together. You have to prioritize some things, but it all does start with the plan. You go through the planning process and really kind of fit those things in. But if you're in the retirement years, I mean, this is really an ideal time to go ahead and look, seriously look at a Roth conversion. Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Time to rock and roll once again here on Retire Smarter. Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Krosky, President and Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio and Southwest Florida. You can find us online at truewealthdesign.com for information, past episodes, and uh, even to schedule a time to meet with an experienced financial advisor on the True Wealth team. Just look for the Are We Right For You button there on truewealthdesign.com. Kevin, what's going on in your world? Oh, Walter, my uh, my my soon-to-be seven-year-old is uh, teaching me how to enunciate words properly. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, quite a. Uh, it's always fun to poke fun at dad, so uh, that's kind of like the big thing in the household. If you can get one over on dad and make him kind of look goofy or something, it's it's a good time for all involved. Um, but we, as you may recall, and a lot of uh, our clients and listeners are probably aware that you know, I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area, and uh, there's a certain uh, dialect that's spoken around there called Pittsburghese. And uh, I, when I went to college, uh, a lot of that just became more known to me. And uh, some of the people that were at college that were not from Pittsburgh were very quick to point out my Pittsburgh dialect. And um, you know, it could be things like, calling soda pop or you know in Pittsburgh you say downtown it's uh, it's kind of like this weird sort of thing but um, the thing that I, I have <laughs> I wasn't aware of this until it just came up recently but I have a difficult time saying iron um, I would say <laughs> <laughs> I have a really challenging still it's uh, I would say iron iron that's how you say it in pittsburgh it's iron city beer it's it's the iron city and uh, uh so, no vowels after the i just yeah. i-r-n iron. so my daughter it's a <laughs> she was just laughing i think she almost peed herself but she's like daddy say i now daddy say yearn now daddy put them together and say i yearn <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that's the best. That's the most normal I've said it. So it was, uh, I mean, she just, and then she was telling all of her friends how she taught her daddy how to say iron. Iron. So, <laughs> so I don't know if it comes out from time to time. I mean, there's uh, there's a whole slew of Pittsburghese that when I go back and see my family or some friends, I mean, it's just very noticeable to me since I've been out of the city for more than 20 years now. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a good laugh about that. Mine, uh, I think the one that really gets me is, um, you know, like kind of that that word. We all have that one word that we just can't ever say. And uh, mine's always been like crayon. Uh, like, so, or, hold on, wait, what, what did you say, Walter? Crayon? Like a crayon? Yeah, it's a crayon. It's a crayon. I don't know if that's a southern thing, or, uh, but I've, I just always grew up calling it a crayon. <laughs> <laughs> Walter, I love you even more now, buddy. I mean, it's, we're all human, right? We all have our, our interesting little, you know, nooks and crannies. And some may say flaws, but I say that's the good stuff, right? So when I was a kid, I was always saying, can you pass the crayon? <laughs> 
and people would look at me like I had four heads. And and to this day, if if I see it in writing, I'll still say crayon. Can you uh, pass the crayon? That's great. So now yeah. that we've completely debased our uh, <laughs> our intellect and uh, have people have no reason to believe anything that we're going to say after this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's also like no possible way I can segue from uh, crayon and. to what we're talking about today but uh, that's all right it was a fun intro nonetheless Um, (laughs) we we are talking about something that's important today something where maybe there are some opportunities in 2020 and in the near future to take advantage of perhaps uh, this idea of Roth conversions now this is by no means a new concept in the financial world Kevin I'm sure in our previous 50 plus episodes we've talked about Roth conversions in some way shape or form over the past year or so, but why should we bring this back up at, you know, this point we're having this conversation in August 2020? Yes. So great question. So yeah, we have talked about it quite a bit. In fact, I've been talking about it or writing about it really since 2010. In 2010, um, well, I should say before 2010, there was uh, basically a limit, uh, an income limit, and if you made more than $100,000 uh, in your household, you could not do what they call a Roth conversion. So there's two C words to remember when it comes to a Roth. You can contribute to a Roth uh, as long as your income is below certain thresholds and you have income, you have earned income specifically, you're still working. Uh, and then there is the other C word, the conversion, where you are moving money from a pre-tax account like an IRA, 401k, 403b, paying tax in the current tax year at today's tax rate and getting it into a Roth, which is then tax-free forever. So, um, you know, the pre-tax account is just as it says, and and really whether it's a traditional IRA, a 401k or 403b, uh, profit sharing plan, money purchase plan, these are all kind of different sort of pre-tax. Some of them are also qualified accounts. It's all kind of similar, um, at least similar enough to be under the same tax umbrella. Uh, and then the Roth, you can have a Roth 401k, a Roth 403b, uh, or a Roth IRA. So again, just think of kind of like two umbrellas. There's some technical differences between all those accounts. None of them are important for a conversation. Um, but the taxation is basically, um, if not identical, it's it's very similar for all intent and purposes. So, you know, the question becomes, well, you know, of course, who wouldn't want tax-free, right? But you, you have to pay a tax to get it to tax-free if you're using a conversion. And the question becomes, well, you know, should you do it? And generally speaking, if you can pay a lower tax rate today than in the future, then the Roth is advisable. So if you think about it, let's say that we have $100,000 in a traditional IRA. Uh, Assume that you're going to be in a 25% tax bracket forever. It's not going to change in any year as long as you live. Excuse me. And um, if you take the money out, uh, well, you know, 25% of it or 25,000 goes to Uncle Sam and you can spend 75,000. So 100,000 in the pre-tax account, you know, sounds better. Hey, I got $100,000. But in terms of your purchasing power, you really have $75,000 of purchasing power when the taxes are paid. So when you look at your 401k, uh, when you look at your traditional IRA, when you look at any of those pre-tax accounts, you know, just remember that some of the money that's in there is yours, but a portion of it is Uncle Sam's and and maybe the state that you live in as well. So whenever you can be in a lower tax bracket, then certainly you want to pay that lower tax rate 
uh, and avoid a higher tax rate in the future. Um, so that's the basic principle that I, I think everybody needs to remember whenever you're talking about this sort of a tax planning and the Roth conversions. But like I mentioned, in, in 2010, um, these conversions were really uh, unlimited for anybody. It wasn't limited in the sense that you had to be under $100,000 of income. Um, anybody can do them. And pragmatically speaking, there tends to be some peaks and valleys in your tax return over time. You know, this year, you know, we're, we're having some clients being uh, told that, hey, the bonuses really aren't going to be paid out for this year. So maybe next year is going to be a lower tax year because um, bonuses, you know, typically are paid in like February or March for the, the prior year. Um, just the way that it tends to work. Uh, if the company that you work for is on a calendar year uh, basis and not some sort of other time period, like a fiscal year where, you know, they could pay bonuses and maybe in the fourth quarter or something like that. Um, but these are some things you need to be mindful about in terms of the peaks and valleys. When you go into retirement, usually, particularly if you're retiring in your early 60s, you know, you probably are, are leaving your highest income earning years and you retire and then you wake up in the next tax year and you have zero taxable income, maybe hitting your tax return. And so while that may look great, it, it, if you don't do anything to use up that lower those lower brackets, it could be a missed opportunity. So that these are all general principles and, and these always hold true. Again, if you can pay a lower rate today than in the future, that makes sense. You increase your purchasing power. If you can pay the same tax rate today than you would likely pay in the future, that's probably also not a bad trade because more likely than not, you, most of your money is in these pre-tax accounts and you probably have very little in the tax-free account. And so even if the tax rate is the same that you would pay, just having more tax diversification in something that is going to be tax-free forever tends not to be a bad move because, you know, what happens if tax rates go higher in the future? Well, if they do go higher in the future, then you're certainly going to be happy that you paid a rate today that is lower and have more money in the Roth that is free uh, of taxes. So, um, so all that is always and forever true at least as these accounts, uh, as long as they exist anyway. Uh, but 2020, I think, is a year that you may particularly want to consider being even more aggressive. So if we harken back to when we were going through like March and April and we were talking about, you know, kind of financial planning to do's during the pandemic, you know, when uh, asset prices were down, you know, 30, 40, some asset classes, even 50% or more, you know, what we were the number of things that we were doing as a firm for our clients, but one of them were we were executing Roth conversions. Uh, we ended up doing it in April for our clients. You know, the market has bounced back significantly. So all that rebounding has been in the tax-free bucket for those clients where we executed those conversions. Much better to have a lot of growth in the tax-free bucket than in the taxable bucket. So that has certainly benefited uh, everyone. Also the way, I guess pragmatically I'll mention it, the way that we actually did it, we didn't know if it was you know the bottom of the market, things could certainly have gotten worse. So we basically had our expected amount that we were gonna convert for the year. For a lot of clients, for most of them that were doing this, uh, we're doing a tax projection in the fourth quarter. So you don't wanna get too aggressive too early in the year because hey, maybe there's an unforeseen expense and you need to pull some money out. And if you do that, maybe it has to come out of a certain account and all of a sudden you know, you're in a higher tax bracket. So what we did was have, say if we had a budgeted amount for $100,000 uh, in a conversion, uh, we said, well, let's do half of it now and let's keep an eye on things and we will kind of do some additional conversions as the year goes on. 
And that's what we did. Um, so that worked out really well with the action that we took in April. And uh, we will, we've, for certain clients, we've done some more and we will continue to do some as we go through the fourth quarter this year. Because the asset prices were down, and you know, again, they could have went, they could have went lower for sure. We didn't have the crystal ball, nor does anyone. But because they were down, it was, it was arguably a better time to convert. And you know, looking back over the last few months, it certainly has been. So that's one. But asset prices, certain asset classes, particularly, are still down. Real estate's still down a lot. Uh, when you look into um, kind of non-technology sectors, you know, we talked about uh, I think a couple podcasts ago. At least through the first half of the year, the only um, sector of the economy that was up was technology, and then healthcare just slightly. Every other sector, and there's 11 of them in the U.S. economy, nine of the 11 were negative. And so we've continued to have some positive returns, but there's still plenty of, of different asset classes, probably different holdings in your account that are down. Um, so it's the opportunity still there. It's not completely off the table, even though we've had a bounce back in, in, in growth over the last several weeks. The other thing, um, Walter, what's going on this November here in America? Well, let's see. We'll have Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe yes. we'll have a little bit of football. I don't know. It'll probably have football, and then it'll go away by the time we get to November. Um, <laughs> nice optimistic belief there, Walter. Yeah. There uh, there might be an election, too, right? Don't those usually happen in November? Yes, they do. <laughs> and we are getting bombarded with negative ads on the TV where we are. Uh, I don't know about you, but... They're starting to pop up, for sure, yeah. For sure, for sure. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, current prediction poll anyway, uh, generally are showing that Mr. Trump will no longer be in office. And uh, I was surprised at first when I saw this, but that the Senate will also um, flip and turn blue. Um, and so we'll see what happens. These are polls. Obviously, a lot can happen from now until then. Um, however, uh, Joe Biden has come out with his tax plan and has least given an indication of what he would like to do. A plan is certainly not law. And uh, the legislative process is certainly messy at best. Um, but when you look at it, um, you know, well, let me back up for a minute before I get into uh, kind of what his tax plan says. But if I look at current law, uh, current law in for 2020, the tax rate uh, all the way up to $326,600 for a married couple filing jointly is no more than 24%. Uh, so $326,600 taxable income, no more than 24%. You add your, at least your standard deduction on top of that, you know, another 24, 25,000. And, you know, just round numbers, you can have $350,000 hitting your tax return. If we hearken back to 2017, uh, when uh, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act was passed, you hit a 25% tax rate on just $76,000 of income in 2017. So huge difference, like a little bit lower rate uh, this year um, for you know 25 versus 24, but a huge widening of the bracket all the way up to 326,600. And you know, we frankly, we have a lot of clients uh, that uh, are in that range, uh, and a lot of them are, are enjoying the benefits of lower taxes. But uh, the current tax law uh, for individuals is that those tax rates that we have under, let's call it the TCJA for short, go away in 2026. So it was just part of the way that they had to pass this bill. It was through a budget reconciliation process. And uh, the projections were by the CBO that uh, a lot of money was going to be added to the debt. And basically, these, these tax benefits um, 
had to sunset over a period of time. Uh, it's just part of the legislative process that we have here in the states. So there's already a tax increase baked into the current tax law, and that's going to come into effect in 2026. We revert back to what was in place in 2017, I imagine, with some inflation increases, but inevitably tax rates would be a lot higher for a lot of people, uh, almost across the board, uh, as a matter of fact. So that's current law. Current law, lower rates now. We've talked about this in past episodes about how this is just really kind of a great time in general uh, over these periods of years from, say, now through 2025 to do a conversion and avail yourself of these lower taxes and potentially avoid the, the higher taxes in the future, which again are current law in 2026. But when you look, if I go back to the Biden tax plan here and you look at that, he, he wants to move up uh, the, the reversion. And, and basically, you know, he wants to go ahead and, and repeal the benefits for the higher income earners. The things that I've seen from like, say, taxfoundation.org, which is I'm almost reticent to say any source because <laughs> what what one person thinks is nonpartisan, somebody else thinks is like, you know, kind of crazy left wing or right wing. It's just yeah, there are no objective <laughs> sources anymore. Right. right. So if I just offended anybody, I don't want to hear about it, <laughs> frankly. But, um, you know, it's they, in my opinion, for, for what I know, they seem to have an unbiased approach and just look at it. And it's really everybody would pay a little bit more but disproportionately affecting the higher income earners, disproportionately those 400,000 or better. Um, so some of these uh, rates are gonna change under his plan. And again, you know, if they have the White House, if they retain the House and they take control of the Senate, well, they're gonna have a lot of control to go ahead and, and to pass really what they want to, to, to certain degrees. Again, you know, we have an indication, it's not law and the legislative process is messy, but there's a clear indication there that particularly on the high income earners, some of the tax benefits from TCJA are going to go away. Uh, so, and, and even if the Biden tax plan, um, again, doesn't happen, um, current tax law is that it's going to go back and it's going to be higher in 2026 unless there is some additional legislation um, passed. And so one way or another, it certainly seems the tax rates are going higher. And oh, by the way, um, in 2020, we had this thing called COVID. Actually, we don't we haven't had it. We we still have it. Right, Walter? It's still out and about and uh, hopefully it doesn't show up in your household. Um, but we've had trillions of dollars in unprecedented fiscal stimulus. Um, they're you know, getting ready to pass some more uh, right now. And eventually, sooner or later, you know, that mounting debt is going to have to be paid for. And the only way that the government makes money is not just through income taxes. There's all kinds of different taxes, but it's through taxes. And so when we have to pay our bills and there's certainly debates among economists over, you know, hey, how high can our debt go before, you know, we have inflation or we have some negative repercussions. Um, but generally speaking, the more common belief is at some point you got to repay this debt. It's okay to have some debt. And again, we print our own money. We're the world's reserve currency. You know, we're not Zimbabwe or something that's going to have runaway inflation. Um, but uh, and Japan's kind of an example of this. They have much higher debt to GDP ratios than we do. They've had it for many, many years. And they're, they would be happy to have a little bit of inflation. In fact, they've been fighting deflation for a number of years. So some of this is theoretical, but um, I think just as a, a principle for, uh, I think, the culture of our country, we, we 
maybe this is stepping out too far, but <laughs> I would like to say we tend to pay our debts. But um, if you, I guess if you, I was, I was a little bit reticent in saying that I, before I, I was thinking it, because if you look at how our deficit has expanded over the last several decades, I don't think either party is fiscally conservative. I think it's just they're fiscally conservative when the other people want to spend money on things that they don't support. But, but I digress. Um, so just to kind of sum up 2020, uh, again, rates are lower today. 326,600 for up to a 24% tax rate. And current tax law has rates going higher in 2026. If there is a, what I'll call a blue wave that comes over in November, certainly those tax cuts could go away sooner, particularly for the higher income uh, people. Asset prices, at least for certain asset classes, are still down. You put this all together, and when you do that, um, I think it makes 2020 a particularly compelling year to not only consider conversion, but for anybody that is you know higher income. You know, if you're still working, you know, uh, I talked about retirees. I mean, it tends to be really good and something that we do over a series of years for our clients uh, once they get into retirement. You know, if they're retiring at say maybe age 60 and maybe we're deferring social security to as late as age 70, the required distributions now have to start at age 72. We potentially have a whole decade where we just have a lot of control over how we're going to go ahead and procure the income from the different taxable buckets that they have, whether it's the pre-tax bucket, whether it's the Roth bucket, or whether they have you know, money that's already been kind of paid tax on and you know just generates a 1099 every January, February. It could be cash at a bank. It could be a joint or trust investment account. But when you have those three pockets of money, you can go ahead and have a lot more control compared to your working years, particularly if you were just a W-2 employee. And it was, well, hey, I can put money into my 401k, but after that, there's not a whole heck of a lot I can do. Business owners certainly have some more um, uh, tax planning that they can avail themselves of. Uh, but when anybody gets into retirement, and you have a lot more control over what's hitting your tax return. So if you are kind of in retirement and you haven't been doing this, or maybe you have, I mean, this year is certainly a year to maybe consider doing even more. And again, we, even though like for our clients, we did some conversions in April when stock prices were still quite depreciated and have rebounded quite significantly, which has been great. When we do our fourth quarter work and we're, we're kind of firming up or truing up any conversions, remaining conversions we want to do at that point in time, we're going to have the knowledge about what happened with the November elections and be able to more, uh, I guess, identify what the risk is of the tax rates changing sooner. And if that risk does materialize, then we may be even more aggressive with the amount that we're converting for certain clients. So, you know, this is, this is something that certainly makes sense for a, a lot of people. You could still be working. It could still make sense. Um, if you're retired, it particularly makes sense. But it all comes back down to where I started. You know, if you can pay a lower tax rate today than in the future, then the Roth is generally advisable. We don't have perfect information about what your future tax rate is going to be, but we know the tax rates are going to be higher in 2026. And that may be fast forwarded if, you know, there's a blue wave come November. So you need to start thinking about this now. Um, and, you know, you really need to have a plan in place because whenever we're doing this, this tax work, it, you know, this is going to sound uh, repetitive, but I mean, it really all does start with your financial plan. 
Um, whenever you start looking out and saying, well, hey, here's kind of what our spending is going to look like over time. You know, here's, you know, maybe there's certain years where you're going to be spending more and that's going to require more to come out of your investment accounts. And, and maybe that's also going to relate to having to, you know, take more out of the IRA and be in a higher, higher tax bracket that year. But, you know, this other year we're going to, you know, we're going to do some of these big goals and pay for our daughter's wedding, whatever it may be, but we're going to have a lower bracket year over here. But we're really looking at a multi-year period here. We're not just looking at 2020. Um, certainly 2020 could be better for some of the reasons I discussed, but you really need to take a multi-year approach. And the only way that you're going to do that is really to start with that financial plan. You know, thinking about, you know, hey, what are my income sources look like? You know, if you have Social Security, what's the Social Security strategy? When are those going to start? Um, how am I going to take those? If we're married, you know, am I going to defer the higher of the two benefits and take the, the, the smaller one earlier? And if earlier, when? Is it going to be 62? Is it going to be my full retirement age? If I have a pension, am I going to take that pension maybe at my normal retirement date, or I would say the pension's normal retirement date is 65? Uh, or, you know, am I going to take it early? And if earlier, you know, what's the reduction for taking it earlier? And does that really make sense? Or if my pension has a lump sum, should I just elect that? And then I can keep the money and roll it over to an IRA and then I can have more control, you know, when I'm going to go ahead and pull the money out of the account. I mean, it really does start all with the financial plan. Um, and then as we get through the financial planning process, really the tax planning and the tax strategy is probably the last thing we do. It's almost a little bit more of an overlay. Whenever you think about investments, there's a saying that goes, you know, don't let the tax tail wag the investment dog um, because you may appear to have a tax problem, but you know, with a bad investment, that tax problem could quickly vanish with just a decline in price. So, you know, you got to fit all these things together. You have to prioritize some things, but it all does start with the plan. You go through the planning process and really kind of fit those things in. But if you're in the retirement years, I mean, this is really an ideal time to go ahead and look seriously, look at a Roth conversion. And if, even if you're still working, um, I mean, we have some clients that are still working. They're in a high tax bracket now, but they're always going to be in a high tax bracket. And we know that pretty definitively. Maybe they have deferred comp payments that are going to continue to pay out. Maybe they have a, a very generous pension that they've earned over the years and a lot of money in these pre-tax accounts, which is going to equate to higher, high required distributions and a high tax rate. So even in cases like that where you may say, well, hey, I'm in a high tax rate now. Do I really want to do it? You know, the answer is it depends. I mean, if you're always going to be in a higher tax bracket, frankly, you're more at risk because, you know, just like in the Biden plan, if you're, you know, 400,000 or above, um, if seeing tax rates goes higher is one thing, but the question is, where is the line in the sand going to be drawn? And if you're the higher income you are, the more at risk you are to being in the portion uh, on the side of the line that is going to be disproportionately affected. So I remember at the beginning of the year, so many uh, financial advisors were talking about Roth conversions and sort of the tenor of the conversation was, you've got time, you've got time because we've got until 2026, um, you know, you can, we can spread these things out. We've got time to evaluate. You want to start acting sooner rather than later, but um, you know, we can, we've got some time on our hands over the next couple of years. But with all that's changed, with the election uncertainty, uh, with the COVID and what it's done to our national debt, all of these things are piling up. So it sounds to me like you're saying, okay, yeah, technically we have time, but if you were ever going to evaluate it, now certainly the time to evaluate it and may now 
also be the time to take action on some of these things. Completely. And you know, I'll kind of share a brief L- story. A l- little bit more urgency now, I guess. Right? Yeah. And not only urgent, and I would say now, you know, this isn't, I, I, we had a call, we've had several people reach out from the podcast recently and, um, we've had a lot of phone calls and, and meetings from that. And, um, and I, I, who knows you know, what it was that kind of sparked it, but this, the conversions and as, as the tax considerations has certainly been on uh, most of these, the minds of the people that we've been talking to. And I had a conversation with a gentleman in Michigan and, um, you know, did really well uh, for himself, has a very significant pension benefit as well with a lump sum. So, you know, in his case, uh, he's definitely has tax risk uh, in the future. He's, he retired this year. He's got had a good amount of income and hit his tax return already. Um, however, um, you know, we're in August now and he's like, well, you know, and he, ha- he hasn't worked with a, an advisor historically. And, you know, I told him, I said, you know, Greg, you really got to get going on this now. I mean, whether you work with us, whether you do it yourself or you find somebody else that can really kind of pull this all together for you. I mean, it's August now. I mean, it's going to take you a few weeks at best to get us everything that we need. We're going to really have to roll up our sleeves, not only in the financial planning part, but, you know, we're going to have to have probably just a separate meeting on the pension alone and, and get a strategy for how we're going to, it's going to make sense to go ahead and take the lump sum uh, on the pension. Is it going to be this year? Is it going to be next year? And then it's an iterative process. And so <laughs> we start with the financial plan and we start kind of making some projections. Then we go over the pension and we firm that up. Then we got to come back to the plan and kind of fit it in and really, you know, kind of firm that that assumption up we at least have a tentative plan for social security he's a little bit younger not taking it right away but we have to fit those pieces in uh and then you know we start getting into you know some of the investment and tax planning and we're probably talking like a series of four or five meetings to do what we need to do this stuff i it's for a client i mean we do it every day and um you know, we, it's, it's not a big deal for us to just kind of talk through this and deal with the complexity, but you know, you have to bring the the client along so they can understand it. And you don't, you know, we don't want to do a three, four hour marathon meeting and you just are like, you know, zoned out after 45 minutes. I mean, you kind of got to break this up. You got to digest it. There's going to be information that we need. You're probably going to need to go ahead and, and chew on some of this inf- because there could be different choices that, that you have that could both make sense. But, you know, each one has its pros and cons. But we need that back and forth. And it really is a process as you go through it. So I told him, I'm like, look, you know, if we're going to be doing this this year, if you're going to be doing this this year, you really need to start this now. Otherwise, you're going to be doing it kind of, um, you know, kind of haphazardly and just say, well, I'll just do some and some may be OK, but it's certainly not going to be the right answer. Or if it is, it's just going to be by luck. It's a great point, Kevin. And uh, just out of curiosity, before we wrap up today, I know that just since we've talked about so many people reaching out from the podcast over the past couple of weeks uh, lately, and it just happened to be that, you know, one, I think, couple that you mentioned on the last episode was down in uh not too far from you in South Florida and somebody else was up in in Ohio of course but what if somebody's listening to the podcast and they're you know not exactly within driving distance to to be able to meet with you are you and your team able to meet remotely with folks and walk through at least most if not all of the planning process if somebody is uncomfortable coming in to meet one on one and those kinds of things oh sure and uh, you know i'm not um, certain how many states we have clients in now but you know, we have uh, we have the whole you know West Coast, um, Arizona, California, Oregon, and Washington. We have clients in, in each of those states, uh, Utah as well. 
um, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, the Carolinas. Um, I feel know, like you're about to break into song and, and totally, uh, <laughs> the 50, Johnny, the 50 <laughs> nifty us or the, or the Johnny cash. <laughs> We've got clients in. <laughs> um, so, you know, we started with, you know, people in Northeast Ohio and, and inevitably people tend to move. Maybe they retire different places. They refer us to friends and family in other places. So absolutely, you know, and, um, and we can certainly meet with people uh, as a lot of people have probably been doing Zoom meetings or things like that. We've been doing that for, I don't know, probably six years, um, seven years maybe. And uh, every time we have a client that retires and moves somewhere, um, we always buy them like an HD camera and we actually have our offer them the services of, for, uh, of our IT company to just go ahead and make sure that they have everything working well on their end. Um, I always say technology is great as long as it works and, and using iPads and things like that are great. But um, if we can get a good HD camera and get good sound and make it easy for people, then that takes that frustration out of the way and we can just focus on getting to know one another and, and making sure that we're helping people retire smarter. But absolutely. So whether it's a phone call, whether it's uh, kind of a video call, not a big deal. You know, we're not in all 50 states, but we probably got about, I don't know, 15 or 20 of them covered by now. Kevin's got clients in Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota. I could keep going on. Yeah, you can stop too. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't really full singing. It was sort of a half half sing. Um, You got clients everywhere, man. Um, All right, enough Johnny Cash on today's show. But yeah, there you go. We'll get in in real big copyright trouble if we sing anymore, even (laughs) pretend Johnny Cash songs on a podcast. That's for sure. Yeah, they'll just, Uh, I don't even know if it's copyright. They're just going to be like, you butchered it so badly. We're going to sue you for that. (laughs) They'll have uh, many platforms from which they can sue. So yeah, we'll just stop there. But no, in all seriousness, if you do need any help, uh, you can always reach out to Kevin. The ways are easy. If you've listened to the show for a while, you already know how to do it. Uh, But if you're new, welcome, and uh, here's how to get in touch. You can go to truewealthdesign.com to reach out. And whether it's an IRA conversion or just something else on your mind that's related to retirement and finances and need some guidance and help of uh, an experienced financial advisor, go to truewealthdesign.com. You're going to see the Are We Right For You button, and that'll allow you to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced financial advisor on the True Wealth team right there from your smartphone or computer. So again, go to truewealthdesign.com and click on the Are We Right For You button. And you can also find that link in the description of today's show. And you can always call, if you would prefer, 855-TWD-PLAN is the number. That's 855-893-7526. Kevin, thanks for uh, putting up with my Johnny Cash singing (laughs) and uh, for the great information on the show today. And uh, we'll do another one next time. Uh, My pleasure, Walter. Thanks for singing, buddy. A lot of fun today. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for being with us today. Hope you're well, and we'll talk to you soon right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.